Today, answers matter more than ever before. That's why IBM is helping businesses manage customer questions with Watson Assistant. It's conversational AI designed to work for any industry. Let's put smart to work. Visit ibm.com slash Watson Assistant. Hello, everyone. What's up, bro? Aren't y'all glad to be back at work? Boring all season. <laughs> Can you believe the NBA season is only 25 days away? Time flies when you're having fun, and this definitely was a fun offseason. Speaking of fun, what's good? Welcome to the best 60 minutes of your day. Later are Carmelo Anthony's, Ben McAdoo's, and the L.A. Chargers days in their current situations numbered. Hell of a night for Jared Goff last night. He joins us live in a few minutes. And Mike Gundy was a man. He was 40 10 years ago today. Do his Cowboys survive TCU Saturday? But first, our top stories on the 6th, including a look at the matchup of two top teams in the NFC and the Warriors loving life on top of the world at Media Day today. I think we'll be better this year. Uh, We're deeper. The challenge is obvious. Three years in a row in the finals, uh, trying to make it a fourth. Very few teams in the history of the league have done that. We're going to have to navigate the season, uh, pace ourselves, but not lose our edge. I moved past it. I spoke on it and looking forward to starting camp tomorrow. I reached out to him. I talked to him through text the day of. And then the next day I saw him in person and I laughed in his face. I thought it was... You know, I got good laughter out of it. It's pretty funny to me. I stood right there, over there, and laughed in his face. And it felt pretty damn good to do. That's my smart dog right there. But there is something to be said for that. I mean, I'm no stranger to controversy the last week, but we've been making jokes about it off air. And honestly, for me, and I'm sure it's this way on some level for KD, that return to normalcy where your friends are just busting on you yeah. like they always would, I think it helps get over the situation. So If they were ever under. You know the yeah, funny thing true. about it is we spent the entire week, the entire week, putting KD on the couch, worried about his psyche, that he was in some emotional place. Psych. You know, I mean, like, they, it's just, it just goes to show how little they care about such trivial and petty things. They don't take it seriously enough for it to be a problem. And now the NBA's problem is the Warriors, like Steve Kerr said, they're better, they're deeper. They don't have 3-1 haunting them, and yet they're just as hungry going into next year. So anybody else got hope? No. No? No. Season over before it starts. Yeah, but it'll Come still on. be entertaining nonetheless. I like Houston. Maybe all the challenges in the West. Is in the East. Cleveland's better. Speaking of the United Conference. All right. Uh, in the East, the Heat held media day today. Pat Riley said the following. We see an opportunity because there isn't a Golden State in our conference or San Antonio or Houston. Is Riley sneak this in the Cavs and Celtics? Are the Heat a sneaky threat to win the East? Jamel? Show me the lie of what he said. I think a lot of coaches probably right now in the East are probably feeling a little bit better about their chances. He's never going to concede. That's not Pat Riley. No, it's anyway. not. But I think he's right. Look, once... I think people see some vulnerability with the Cavs because now that Kyrie and LeBron are on different teams, people maybe look, LeBron is still LeBron, but people are maybe feeling a little bit more confident, and maybe they should be. Yeah, I don't think so. Look, I, I love Eric Spolster. I like the roster. I mean, I'm I know not they picking a heat strong. I love Deion Waiters, <laughs> but it's a two-horse race. There are no dark horses in the Eastern Conference. It's a two-horse race, and you still got to go through LeBron. I think the Cavs are better, especially if IT comes back healthy. But even if he doesn't, they got Jay Crowder. They're better than they were last year, despite the loss. But so the fact is, it's a, a more they're open, certainly hungry. It's a more open conversation certainly than we're is. used to. Yeah. Um, moving on to some NFL here. Minnesota coach Mike Zimmer confirmed Sam Bradford will not play against Tampa Bay on Sunday. It's the second straight game 
that Bradford will miss with his injured knee. Per an ESPN report, Bradford is expected to visit renowned orthopedic surgeon James Andrews today to get a second opinion on the pain in his knee. Now, Andrews previously operated on Bradford's left knee. So in other words, Mike, same stuff, different season with Sam Bradford. So the brittleness, if you're Minnesota, you should be very concerned, shouldn't you? You should, but... I mean, he's too, he's too good to give up on, and he was so good that three teams have given up a lot for him. And, and, and it's, it's really bad. He gets a bad rap. He's got a bum knee, but he really does get a bum rap. He started 15 games last year, 14 the year before. He started 16 twice in his career. So this idea of Sam Bradford being fragile or being soft is really an overstatement. And if you're the Vikings, you just put this improved offensive line in front, in front of him you upgraded or at least got younger at running back in Dalvin Cook. You got some weapons on the outside. It's very disappointing because even though I think I read somewhere where Case Keenum has this thing with this weird thing with Tampa for whatever reason mm-hmm. uh, in terms of success against the Buccaneers. But this is a guy that I do think the Vikings can contend for that division and make some noise with. He's got this reputation that's really unfounded in terms of his ability to remain upright. He just hasn't been surrounded with the best cast of characters. He is this year, and i really like to see him be able to stay healthy. So hopefully this second opinion provides better news because it looked like he was going to be fine this week. Right. And then I think they said it was uh, some pronounced pain in his knee today. Well, he only gets a bad rap in the sense that Sam Bradford is not purposely injuring himself. Okay, he's not doing this on purpose. I'm sure if it were up to him, he'd have been healthy his entire career and would have lived up to the big contract that he that he received early on. So it's the money. That's part of it. But the facts are the facts is it's hard to count on somebody whose middle name is if he's healthy. Right. It's hard to. And look, the Vikings are in a no win situation. They have no choice until Teddy Bridgewater is able to be healthy and and be their starter. They have to kind of ride this out. But I don't blame them if deep down in places they don't talk about, they're real worried. But if he's healthy, he's been healthy more often than not, as I just pointed out to you. They they just don't have a really good backup. A lot of teams have quarterbacks who are hurt and who get banged up week to week. You start 15 or 14, 15 last year because he just got there for week one. So he would have started all year. You start 14, 15, that's doing good in today's NFL, doing well in today's NFL when it comes to the quarterback position. So I I guess I just reject this idea that he's just a star-crossed guy, underachiever. He's extremely accurate, set an all-time record, checking it down. Pushing it down in week one against the Saints, albeit he's a better player than his reputation would lead well, to. Well, he's, he's a better player than the numbers show, but if he's not available, no, no then, doubt about it. He's going to have to wear this reputation for a little bit. Speaking of reps, a meeting of two of the NFC's three 2 0 teams in Detroit headline week three in the NFL. Get this our football power index, no surprise, has the Falcons as a top ranked team in the NFC, but the Lions ranked eighth in the NFC. Eighth. <laughs> the Lions are three point home dogs. Matt Ryan's last nine games, including playoffs 72%, 22 touchdowns, no picks. Best bud, Matt Stafford, tied for the league lead with six touchdown passes. Jamel, you've never passed on an opportunity to disrespect Detroit, the football team, Please not the city. <laughs> Will the Lions win you over with the win over the Falcons? Uh, I'll start trusting them a little bit more. It's a step-by-step process. I'm putting history aside. It's just we still haven't figured out a lot of things about this team. As Look, you only play who's on your schedule. So I'm not, I don't necessarily hold against who the Lions have played, but, you know, the fact is the Cardinals aren't very good. We see the Giants are struggling uh, in a lot of different areas. They're finally up against a good team, which, which right now looks like the class of the NFC. Uh, if so, not the NFL. Right, and so this is the litmus test. 
So how far or how close or maybe you're better than the Falcons. And I think that if they win this weekend, then you can start having some of the conversations that people were having earlier in the week about whether or not the Lions are legit, whether or not they finally can uh, overtake that division and get past, say, Aaron Rodgers and get get over the Vikings. And if they lose? It depends oh, on how. Clown. It depends on how. Okay, no, because I'm, I'm waiting for that. That's why Detroit can't have nice things. That's why I'm, I'm waiting for it. Sixty look, years. For your I'm sake, for it, it just better not be Matt Stafford's fault. For my sake. Why? <laughs> yeah, for your sake. <laughs> His check's still cashing, and so will mine. I don't get paid by the prediction. I'm looking for you to qualify this win. See, you were more reasonable than I thought you'd be. Because if they I'm win this woman, game, right? if they win this game, which I'm gonna sit here right here right now and say that they will, like You're Atlanta, it, huh? like Atlanta, love Detroit at home on Sunday. Okay. okay. If they win this game, I fully expect you to be like, yeah, but Vic Beasley was out. Atlanta no, had no, the no, best no. pass rusher. No, I ain't traded their right tackles out. So that's why Ziggy Ansah I'm, I'm had his way. I'm telling you right now, I will not say that. If, okay. if Detroit right. wins this game, right. it will be one of the most legitimate wins that they've had in the They're last couple finally start to get some respect? I'm saying. All right. I'll give them a little respect. room on this bandwagon because I hold it down from the D. <laughs> the casual fans like, well, I don't watch this game because I'm not into the quarterbacks. These two running backs are really good tonight. Okay, you have Todd Gurley. Todd Gurley with number three. And you have Carlos Hyde, who's one of the best in the league when it comes to breaking tackles. It's a give to Hyde inside. The gun run is in. Yeah, what some would call the best player regardless of position. And he ends the game in the arms of Aaron Donald. And certainly the best looking player. If for no other reason than to see this young man, you have that going for you tonight. Oh, my God, the dead has arisen, as in Thursday Night Football. What a game. And who are these Rams? They're now 2-1 after squeaking by the 49ers, 41-39. Most lit Thursday night game I ever remember watching. I think it was. Uh, Highest Jared, scoring ever. Jared Goff, who hopefully will join us in a moment, uh, put on a great performance, befitting of a top pick, 22-28 for 292 yards, three TDs. Todd Gurley doing work uh, both as a runner and as a pass catcher. Dare I say, Mike, are the Rams actually good? Slow down. <laughs> Slow down. Yeah. I mean, you just qualified the Lions. Right. They beat Scott Tolzien's Colts, and with all due respect, your Brian Hoyer-led San Francisco 49 And allowing them to have over 400 yards of offense. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So are they good? No, but they got a good thing going. Mm. They might have a good quarterback. They definitely have a good running back. They got maybe the best player in the league and, and certainly a good defensive tackle in Aaron Donald. Um, they got good skill guys around Jared Goff. They got a good young coach. And most important, it was a good game for the NFL. There's positive buzz about the Rams in Los Angeles on a day where we're talking about CTE and connecting it to Aaron Hernandez. More bad news for the league coming off of two weeks of bad football for the most part. You get a really good game from a team in a major market, entertaining game on a Thursday night to kick off week three. So it was a good night, a fun night. Will they be a good team eventually? Maybe. This may not be real this year. They got more points in their first three games than any team that had the fewest amount of points the year before in history. So there's something about this that says that while they're improved on offense, it's not exactly the second coming of the greatest show on turf. No. But if you can identify that you have a quarterback and a head coach, a lot of times the rest takes care of itself in this league. Yeah, and I think that's probably the biggest takeaway. Uh, like you, I'm not ready to immediately pronounce that hey, they're the best team in, in this division. They just look like they're really headed in the right direction. A lot of people had a lot of things to say about Jared Goff. A lot of people had a lot of things to say about Sammy Watkins and what he hasn't done in his career. And even for Ty Gurley to have a bit of an offseason last season. So to see it kind of all come together, you see the potential. Like, okay, 
this is what it can be. Yep. You know, now they have to have obviously make some corrections on the other side of the ball. Uh, absent, of course, um, the best player in, in Aaron Donald. But they're headed in the right direction. And I think that's all you can ask for when you've been where they've been, been in the basement. And so uh, it was a positive step forward. And it even had me feeling more positive about the 49ers. And we talked yesterday, <laughs> we laughed when they asked the question, well, what's got to happen for them to win the division? It doesn't seem, it doesn't seem so strange I'm saying. after watching them put their skill on display last night. Jared Goff was just in meetings. And now he meets with us. This is perfect timing. Uh, what'd y'all talk about in meetings? How'd they go? Must have been a pretty good mood in there after last night, right? Yeah, it was a good day. It was a good day. We got through some good stuff and um, we're able to watch the game and, you know, see some good things, see some bad things and try to work on some things as well. Yeah, we were just singing your praises a second ago. Not sure if you heard it. Uh, hopefully you enjoyed it if you did. Um, <laughs> but obviously you guys always looking to improve. So while we're talking about the great things you did, speak to that for a second. What did you guys see on film that you say, hey, we could do this a lot better? Uh, I, you know, I, I think we did a lot of really good things offensively. I think as a whole unit, as a team, there's a plenty of things we do better. I think offensively, I thought we ran the ball well. I thought we moved the ball pretty well. I think taking care of the ball is, is kind of the big thing that we can focus on. You know, we put the ball on the ground once, I think it might have been twice, and just taking care of the football and continuing to do that um, will, will give us a chance to win. Well, you've certainly done that this season, but let's just talk specifically about last night. 292 yards, three touchdowns. You grew up in the San Francisco area. What did it mean for you to have that kind of performance right in the area where you grew up? Yeah, it was fun. I had a bunch of people there, a bunch of people watching the game. It was a, a lot of fun to go out there and play in front of all my friends and family and um, play well and get a, get a win, ultimately. That's the biggest deal is getting the win. and. It wasn't, it wasn't, you know, very, very pretty there at the end, but we came away with it, and it was, it was good to be 2-1. A number 16 showing out in San Francisco. Where have we heard that before? Uh, <laughs> not trying to put that on you too soon, though. No, but uh, Andrew Whitworth, though, the offensive tackle, he said that the confidence is just oozing out of you right now. So what would you attribute that sense of confidence? What's the source of it? How would you describe your mental state right now? Uh, I mean, I feel good. I think we've, I think we've played well. I think, you know, the, the second game against the Redskins just – we made some mistakes that you know caused us to lose that game. You know, we lost the turnover battle. But besides that, I think the first three games we've done a pretty good job. And you know, I say that cautiously because we do have a lot to work on and a lot of things that we you know can improve on. And with that, though, we feel good and we feel good with where we're at. And you know, I feel pretty good right now. You can tell a lot about a quarterback uh, by how he performs in the red zone. When the windows are tighter, feels smaller, decisions have to be made quicker. Don't mean to jinx you, Jared, but you are eleven for eleven <laughs> this season, seven for seven last night. For the season, five touchdowns in the red zone. How has your decision-making improved, specifically in the red area, this season? Uh, you know, the number one, I think about, number one thing I think about when I get down there is that we already have points on the board. We've got a great field goal kicker with Greg. and Just try to take care of the ball. You know, just try to, you know, not, don't turn it over down there. We already got points on the board. Take care of it. Get to the, get to the guys that can make the play in space and um, let them roll. Now, to Mike's point, not only are quarterbacks judged by what you do in the red zone, they're also judged by what they do on third down. I find this to be an equally amazing stat, the fact that you're 20 to 27 with no picks on third downs Mm. this season. So what are you seeing differently this year on the field versus maybe how things were, what you were seeing last year? Uh, You know, I think I've just, uh, the game slows down as you go through time, and I I don't think it has as much to do with me as as much to do with, you know, what we've done this offseason and, all the work we've put in and, you know, with Coach McVay and the offense we've put in and adding some guys and, you know, guys are making plays. That's what we're trying to do. And at the same time, I say it cautiously because we've got a lot of stuff we can work on and a lot of room for improvement. But right now we're feeling pretty good being 2-1 and, one and um, happy with where we're at. 
What kind of game did you expect last night? Because there were so many people, us included, discussing what a, what a snooze fest last <laughs> night's game was going to be, given how Thursday night games are in general and these two rebuilding teams. And yet we get 41-39, highest scoring game in, 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 in uh, Thursday night series history. What kind of game did you expect? What did you think of just how it played out? Yeah, you got you guys were wrong, huh? It was a fun one. Not the first time we've been wrong. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah, it, it, was, it was fun. It was good. It was uh, you know quite a shootout there, and you know I think there's a lot of things we'd like to do and, and, and better in many phases of the game and offensively included. But you know it was fun. You know we, we had to keep scoring and we did. And you know, I was proud of the guys offensively. Just keep going back out there regardless of the score and move the ball down the field. A lot of people. So far, I've been wrong about you. you. You mentioned what you guys did this offseason. There were plenty of people that thought that the Rams missed, quite frankly, when it came to you. How did you approach this offseason? And are you enjoying uh, changing people's minds, if not just shutting people up about you in particular as a number one overall pick? Uh, you know, I'm not really concerned about doing that to anybody. I'm just trying to come out here every day and be the best player I can be, best teammate I can be, and um, hopefully lead us to some, some wins this year. And, let you guys, you know, make the decision for yourself. That, that doesn't really concern with me, and I'm, I'm not playing for anybody outside this building. Well, not to kiss up, but I did start your week one in my fantasy league. James <laughs> was, James was on really the bye. So, you know, I'm just saying, I knew you win. You know, I, just because he was on the bye? Come on. <laughs> no, not somebody else already picked you up, so there's that. Uh, uh, let me ask you about the fans there in L.A. There's been a lot of talk and conversation about how you all have struggled uh, to attract some of the fans to the to the Coliseum. Uh, what's sort of what's your response to that, that people don't consider you guys a draw in L.A.? What's your experience been been like with those L.A. fans? Uh, well, I think, you know, anywhere you play, and especially in a city like L.A. where there's so much to do, you win games, people are going to come. We, we didn't win very many last year, so that's how it goes. You know, we win some more this year, there'll probably be some more people there. And um, like I said, I think any city is kind of like that, and especially down here in L.A. All right, last thing before we let you go. Speaking of L.A., Cal, we know we know y'all rooting for L.A. this week. Cal, USC, upset. Go Bears. Go ahead and call go it. Bears. You go Bears. Going, going, going to 4-0, go, baby. Going to 4-0. All right, okay. Hollywood, Jared Goff. We appreciate you <laughs> taking some time to join the six, man. Get back to meetings and, uh, and seriously, keep up the great work, man. You guys were fun, have been fun to watch so far. Thank you, guys. I appreciate it. All right, man. Meanwhile, Todd Gurley said to NFL Network analyst Michael Irvin after the game, like I said... We're taking it game by game and just focusing on the future right now, man. But next week, we got Dallas. We got a little break. So we're going to whip up on you, boys, Gurley said, laughing. This is, of course, after that 41-39 victory, which he scored three touchdowns. He got six for the season right now. When the Rams visit the Cowboys, Ezekiel Elliott will be in the Dallas backfield. At least he should be because the Circuit Court of Appeals scheduled an October 2nd hearing on the NFL's motion to lift the injunction that allows Elliott to play while his case works through the courts. That means he'll play at least through week Four. So it's Monday night, Arizona at Arizona, and the aforementioned week four game at home against the Rams. And, and as I said, when we had that Friday show when the news broke that he had won in court, this is a season-defining decision here because, mm-hmm. as we just talked about, the Rams and the Wade Phillips can be run on. Right. So you're talking about at Arizona, which that suspension could have come down pregame if the league wanted to. Right. At Arizona's critical, and then you playing a Rams team that can be run on. This can help decide the NFC West and the NFC East, just this simple availability. Yeah, no, and we also knew that once that decision was made where he uh, won his case against the NFL, at least in that court, in the lower court, that – we were looking at a legal battle that was going to be waged for some time. Right. Most that expect he'll play the season. Most expect that he will play the season and that this court case will bleed over into the next season. But getting back to on the field, well, I'm, I'm wondering 
how this might impact his performance in the sense to just know for sure, hey, I'm in these next two games. You know, obviously we know the seriousness of the issue, and certainly we're not trying to belittle it, but right. it, there's a football conversation to be had. Yeah. If you're the Cowboys coming off that performance, knowing especially he's there, him with his especially him with his effort. So we rushes. get to see him on ESPN on Monday Night Football. All right, we got company. Our NFL insider, Anita Marks, is here. So take it or leave it, Anita. Sunday's game against the Eagles will be Ben McAdoo's last game calling plays for the Giants. I'm going to leave it. Are you kidding me? So much talk about him being on the hot seat. Do you think he's going to allow his fate to be in the hands of another man, and that would be Mike so Sullivan, lip service? a.k.a. Sully? I just, listen, when you're an offensive coordinator, you are, you're playing a chess game, and you, the players are your pawn. I mean, it's it's fun to begin with, but also so much is riding on him playing, calling these plays and then beating. Let's face it, they lose to the Eagles, season's over. Who comes back from an 0-3 season? So I don't think he's going to put the fate in somebody else's hands. Okay. Yeah, that's, that's a point I hadn't considered, but I'm leaving this mostly because I feel like that's the least of their concern, right? With the offensive line play, with other things that aren't working, with Eli behaving like he's not a, a veteran quarterback – it's not on the play calling, even though it has been suspect at times. So I expect him to have a little bit more confidence in that. But see, I'm taking it because I think they take it on their chin against that Philadelphia pass rush. And they're reaching. They're searching for answers. You're right. The personnel is what it is. And I hear. I guess I'm just taking him at his word that he's going to look at every option to improve the situation. But if you're saying it's just lip service, I think he'll be answering the same questions about whether or not he should give up the play calling the bigger, after Philadelphia's defense. This is what offense. the bigger problem is, okay? The scheme that they run, the three wide receiver set, West Coast offense, they don't have the horses in their stable to put off. Mm. The offensive line is not good. Eli needs protection. They right. don't have a running game. I, I, there, there is no fix here. There's no fix. Right, that's good stuff right there. Take it or leave it, Anita. Deshaun Watson will be the first rookie QB to beat Bill Belichick in Foxborough. Not overall, but in Foxborough. They're 0-8. They're 0-8. Bill Belichick knows more about football in his big toe <laughs> than Deshaun Watson does in his entire body. I mean, listen, I, I feel I'm I'm so scared for the for the young man. He's going <laughs> to be sitting back there. He's going to see one formation, and as soon as that ball is snapped, Something else is going to come at him. He's not, I mean, it is going to be a mind freak for him. Okay? It really is. Yeah. I've got a really interesting stat for you guys. All right. There are five rookie quarterbacks who have beaten Bill Belichick before. Yeah. Ben Roethlisberger, Russell Wilson. The next three are going to blow your mind. Are you ready for this? Mark Sanchez, the butt fumbler. Okay? Mm-hmm. Geno Smith. Ooh. Are you kidding me? Ooh. And Colt McCoy. So it's been done, just not in Foxborough. Exactly. Okay. Exactly. Yeah. No, I, I'm definitely going to leave this. Look, Deshaun Watson, for all the spark he provided their offense, he's still very much a rookie. You can still see what he doesn't do well. And if I can see it, I know Bill Belichick can. Yeah. You know what? I'm actually going to take this because I'm not going to let you ladies gang up on my man, Deshaun Watson. <laughs> Because I like to take my chances with him. You talked about Bill Belichick's big toe. Let me talk about Deshaun Watson's feet. All it takes is a couple of runs for him to keep the chains moving or change the game. And the guys that have gone up to Foxborough, there have been some decent ones. But has a quarterback like this brought a defense like that there? And I don't know that that's the case. And the Texas defense can't keep taking L's. <laughs> against the Patriots in Foxborough. Yeah, 8-1. That's right. Take it or leave it, Anita. The Chargers move to L.A. already is a failure. You got some scuttlebutt in NFL circles that behind the scenes, they're looking for ways to get back to San Diego. 0-2 Chargers. I'm taking it. Take it. Already take, a failure. Take it from a Miami girl. Grew up in the MIA, the 305. It is so difficult to have. And it's not just NFL. I saw it with the Miami Heat. Until Shaquille O'Neal and LeBron James came to Miami, nobody was going to the AAA. In, in those type of cities where, like, on Sunday you've got beautiful weather, there's so much to do, the beach, boating, what have you, you need 
You, it needs to be a happening. You, there has to be a draw. And unfortunately, right now, I just saw your interview with Golf. You asked him the same question. There has to be a big draw. It's just not happening. I think it's really difficult for those cities to really have a big family. Well, especially, I'm definitely going to take this, especially when you've been accustomed to not being with football. And then you want to move two teams there? The Rams are already having a hard enough time drawing people there. Yep. And then you have the Chargers. You see Texas outdrew them both combined. Thank you. Week, then right? you have uh, the Chargers with their mishaps. It's just not, L.A. didn't want them from the start, and they made that no. So I have True. a feeling that it's hard. It will be hard for them to recover from that. I'm actually going to leave this. You know, you know Phillip Rivers is my guy. They're two field goals away from being 2-0 and maybe having a different type of buzz around them. I don't know if they're talking about it being a failure. Attendance issues aside, if they're 2-0 in that division. So I think they, they're capable. I, I, I'm with Anthony Lennon. They're not the same old Chargers. Although, I keep calling the San Diego Chargers. It certainly would make it easier on me if they move back. But this, was San Diego take them back? I mean, that's awkward to say the least. Philip Rivers is your guy. You asked him about that commute because he still lives in San Diego. He's commuting. Right. Yeah. But, but, he tricked, but he tricked it out, with though. With, with how, many, how many kids? Yeah. And he didn't homeschool. <laughs> How's that working out for the Rivers family? Thanks All for taking right. us to school. We appreciate you. it. A lot of work. fun. A friend of mine gave me some dating advice a long time ago that I've never forgotten. She said, girl, get you a man with a big belly because that means you'll eat, too. She said that because nobody's weight and eating habits are judged and dissected more than women. Don't at me. However, men, especially professional athletes, are often subjected to the same criticisms that we face. So I appreciated Seahawks running back Eddie Lacy opening up to ESPN's Kevin Van Valkenburg about his struggles with weight. Ever since Lacey's former coach, Mike McCarthy, put the running back on blast for being overweight, the rap on Lacey is that Chinese food is going to take him down better than any linebacker ever could. Lacey's weight issues are catnip for social media. People dug up Lacey's old tweets about food from college just to throw in his face. A writer for the Athletic Bay Area tweeted that Lacey was just lazy and to, quote, put down the damn fork. It also didn't help when people knew that periodic weigh-ins were a part of his contract with the Seahawks. And every time Lacey hit a certain weight goal, he would make $55,000. Clowning athletes about their weight has become something of a sport in itself, even though one in three adults are considered overweight. Jameis Winston got roasted for his dad bod. People joked that Kelvin Benjamin was trying to play linebacker when he came to camp looking a bit different. Hell, even Kanye West isn't immune. They're calling him Stave Puff Yeezy on Twitter because of this recent photo. Now, look, some of this is just harmless fun, and I've laughed at times, too. But some of it cuts a little too deep. In Lacey's case, he's been through a lot. His family lost pretty much everything to Hurricane Katrina when he was in high school. He bounced from Beaumont, Texas, to Baton Rouge, where he lived in a tiny trailer. And you know the only thing that made him feel safe? His mother's home cooking. So think about that the next time you want to call Lacey Fat. Good stuff right there. Uh, they tell me black has a slimming effect, so that's Looks good. what I was going for here. <laughs> uh, Goff and Gurley were great Thursday night. But how about Garcon? And give it up for Watkins, who the Bills don't look too good for giving up on. Garcon and Watkins were out there balling like the late Bernie Casey. And since Rams 49ers played out like an 80s NFC West shootout, when it was over, I figured I'd keep the throwback Thursday theme going and take it back to 88 and watch I'm Gonna Get You Sucker for the 88th time in memory of Casey, who passed away this week at age 78. I'm Gonna Get You Sucker was special to my family, the type of comedy my pastor and first lady grandparents not only let me watch, but watched with. And I'm pretty sure that movie is the reason I never had a desire to buy a gold chain. Didn't want to OG over gold. If you're around my age, perhaps you're like me and first came to know Casey as John Slade. 
But before he took down Mr. Big alongside Jack Spade, Fly Guy, Kung Fu Joe, Hammer and Slammer, he kicked ass and took names in the NFL, drafted ninth overall in 61 by the Niners, and made the Pro Bowl in 67 with the Rams. Once caught 12 for 225 against the Bears in 66. Refused a trade to the Falcons the following year. Retired in 69 at age 29, finishing with 359 catches and 40 touchdowns. But Bernie Casey was just getting started. He went on to be a published poet, a painter who impressed none other than Maya Angelou, went back to Bowling Green to get his master's in fine arts, and achieved big screen fame for his roles in Guns of the Magnificent Seven, Black Chariot, Brian Song, Cleopatra Jones, Cornbread Earl and Me, Roots the Next Generation, Sharky's Machine, Never Say Never Again, Revenge of the Nerds, Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure, Another 48 Hours, I can go on and on, but you get the picture? You want to talk about living your best life? Bernie Casey was a true renaissance man if there ever was one. Rest in peace and power. You know what that is, Jamel? What is that? That's my theme music. Every good hero should have some. We have an opportunity to send a statement um, that hopefully encourages unity, encourages uh, us to just appreciate what it means to be American. and stand for something. So whether that's uh, whatever, whatever your opinion is on either side, that's where we want to we want to take this advantage so advantage I, of this opportunity. I just want to be so. very clear. You're saying you have the opportunity to say you're standing for something by not going. For me, yeah, that's that's my that's going to be my vote when I when we meet right. with the uh, with the team. All right, now it's time for some questions that need answers. We have Royce Young, Ian Begley, and Ramona Shelburne joining us. Fast and Furious. We're going to start with Ramona. Uh, Kevin Durant and his teammates talked about his Twitter drama. Is it now behind him and the rest of the Warriors? Well, he certainly hopes so. I mean, he was trying his best to shut down every line of questioning about it. And most of the Warriors tried to kind of laugh it off. Thompson said, you know, that's nothing. That's no big deal. Draymond said he laughed in his face because, well, he had his own Twitter mishap. <laughs> Remember that? But the thing is, the Warriors are not the team that was injured here. They're not the people who were affected by it. It's actually the team that... Royce is out there covering Oklahoma City, and uh, you know I, I think this is going to be a story all year long because he finally said kind of how he feels. Yeah, Ramona, I think everybody's trying to forget Draymond Green's Twitter uh, social media snafu, but thanks for uh, bringing that up. Snapchat, exactly. Uh, let's move on to the Knicks before we get to Royce with OKC. Uh, Ian Begley, so new Knicks GM Scott Perry, he said he's got an open mind about Carmelo's future in New York, expects him there next week, but aren't sources saying they're still trying to get him out of there, maybe get him to Houston or somewhere else? How's this whole thing get resolved? Does he open his list and waive his no-trade clause for anybody but the Rockets? What's going on? Well, as of last night, he was not prepared to do so. The Rockets remain Carmelo's top priority going into this weekend. But I don't think this is necessarily the Rockets or bust. I do think that Carmelo is thinking about other teams. And right now, we're looking at a stare down between Carmelo and the Knicks. And I think it's just a matter of who blinks first. Do the Knicks come off their demands of bringing back younger players or draft picks in a trade of Carmelo? Does Carmelo open up? his list and consider teams like Cleveland or Portland or do the Rockets say hey listen we want to make Chris Paul happy we want Carmelo here we're going to throw in Trevor Ariza or a draft pick or Eric Gordon you know I think it's going to take one of those three things to get a deal done but I still think it's a matter of when and not if when you're talking about a trade of Carmelo sending him out of New York wow all right, Royce, uh, you're up next. Sam Presti told the media today that Russell Westbrook will miss the first two days of training camp after receiving a PRP injection. 
on his injured knee. So, big deal or no deal? Uh, according to the Thunder, it's really not that big of a deal, and it's even less of a big deal than Presti made it seem, Jamel. He actually said during the press conference it was Westbrook's right knee, which was the knee that he tore the meniscus in, had three surgeries on. I'm told by a, a team employee that it was actually his left knee that Westbrook had uh, the injection on. Presti misspoke during the press conference, so okay. not that significant of an issue. He had the uh, injection on Monday out in Los Angeles, and then he showed up and did the Ellen Show, and he danced, and he danced just fine. So obviously not that big of a deal. All right, guys, we appreciate you answering our questions. Thank you, Lawrence. We'll talk to you later. Big question tonight on ESPN we have another postseason impact game is whether the Brewers can bounce back from Chris Bryant crushing them with that two-run home and he crushed in extra innings. Brewers got to get their bullpen together at 7.30 p.m. Eastern. Cubs lead the Brewers about four and a half in the Central. Brewers, of course, a game out of the second wild card behind the Rockies. You can also see it streaming live on the ESPN app. Come after me. I'm a man. I'm 40. I'm not a, I'm not a kid. And look how far they've come. <laughs> I mean, you thought that was going to be his legacy. They got a powerhouse there. All right, so you got OK State and you have TCU. Can't be an upset alert if everybody's talking about it. That said, does Oklahoma State survive? against Texas Christian. I think they do more than survive. I think they make a statement in this game. Is Gary Patterson? Yeah, I do. Even I'm not a gambler. Uh-oh. He took over at the end of the 2000 season. I, I know what the stats Nine and two against the yeah. spread with four outright wins yeah. as a double-digit underdog and 13-point dog. I know, but... That defense. That defense is, is amazing. But Oklahoma State, which a lot of credit always goes to their offense, but they're the only FBS, FBS ranked team that's in the top five in offensive and defensive efficiency. I know how you spend your Saturdays stuck in front of the TV watching college football. What game are you most looking forward to? I mean, you know, no, it's Michigan State Notre Dame. No, a game that matters that you're most looking forward to. Yeah, I don't appreciate that shade. Okay, but it's actually uh, Kentucky, Florida. Kentucky, Florida. I thought you were going to say Penn State, Iowa is early in the year. It's not that cold. I'm actually looking to see what Kyle Shermer got for Alabama. Mm-hmm. Vandy, Alabama. See what he can do against that defense. Okay. All right. Look at you, Mike. Becoming a college football fan. I always been one. <laughs> Mike, it's on my bucket list to one day be on prices, right? And if I am, I pray to God I see something like this. Or it happens to me. Ah, come on, 75 for 10,000, 10,000 I can just look at them, too, until they go be in church on Sunday. <laughs> right in that. Better time, too. I used to watch Prices Right every day ahead of Young and the Restless. Yeah. Does it come on right before you? Yeah, it does. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I haven't watched it in years because I don't know I'm working. How do you find time to watch, watch Prices Right and get it in the show? I, well, I, it was a social clip. It was shared a lot. I don't get to watch it as much okay. anymore uh, with this show. But Give me your profile, these days. I'll be, I wouldn't be surprised if they called you up and invited you. <laughs> I don't know about that. <laughs> I just want to know, once again, it just amazed me when people would think Rice Aroni was like $7. You've been watching uh, Dance with the Stars, Derek Fisher, basketball theme, dancing yeah. with his debut. This was... There's Monday at 8 p.m. Eastern, 7 p.m. Central on ABC. <laughs> Thank you for telling uh, our wonderful viewers. I don't think I had an option. I think that was kind of part of it. Part of it. Okay, so to me, this is something you say for, like, if you get closer to winning the thing. 
But he went all in. I think that means he's with got the basketball go thing. But he looked good. I, you know what I think about with Dance with the Star? I think about that time. I think this was last year. We went out there and we took in the taping. And our producer at the time, Edek, called the smallest, stankiest Uber, <laughs> cheapest Uber, because he knew he couldn't expense the ones we do. Shout out to Ed. We still love you, man. NBA officials, thank goodness we'll be able to call fouls on defenders who do not allow jump shooters to land to avoid injuries, such as Kawhi as against Zaza during game one of last year's Western Conference Finals. Also, the Harden rule, as they're calling it, will go into effect, limiting Darnold's dang on cheap foul. Thank God. Thank you. Yes. And stay in that, that rip move. It's not even a rip move. It's Both of these awful. are exercises and rules of complete common sense. Both yes. needed in the league. Especially that one. That's yeah. just dangerous. Because you got tired. I mean, I would, I would hold my breath every time a player went up and you'd see the defender basically right underneath him. And that's a, a dangerous situation. And definitely, look, James Harden is a super talented player. Deserving of being runner-up MVP as he has the last couple seasons. But he's sometimes hard to watch because of that. So people thought that I was crazy earlier for saying that the Cavs might be better having traded Kyrie Irving. Okay? One of the reasons they got Jay Crowder. LeBron's on a mission. Okay? Kevin Love's going to be doing work from the elbow. Hmm. So I guess I need to break that down a little bit more. I say that to bring up Kyrie Irving. Yeah, because he was late to a meeting with head coach Brad Stevens. Ran into a little car trouble. I did something to my Jeep, and uh, they usually put regular gas in it, and I had no idea that my engine got changed. So I put regular gas in the Jeep, and it stalled out. Stalled out right on the corner of Beaver and Forest, right in front of Bentley University. And I'm standing there, and then our, uh, our equipment guy, JJ, came and picked me up. So I was about 45 minutes late to meet with Brad. Uh, so that, that showed you how much, uh, how much time I was out there for. You should have called him. I didn't call this mechanic. <laughs> oh, LeBron. <laughs> Kyrie Irving. Julius Irving. Irving Magic Johnson. Don't matter. Cavs and folk. <laughs> right? <That's> like, <laughs> I, I, yeah, I, was, I couldn't help but think, what kind of Jeep do you have? Well, first and foremost. You know that's, you know that's I, high class. I knew, look, you Boston got a lot of nice people. Ooh. And Bentley, like, not, nice area too. You got to be crazy if you think they don't know who you are. Okay? <laughs> they, they know who you are. <laughs> right. Okay? Like, yeah, they know who you are. They picked you up because they know you. Also, they are so hardcore with their sports, they know who you are. So Chandler Parsons decided to post some of his DMs from uh, women looking for dates and more. Really? That's that's kind of messed up. You yeah. know, why well, you going to put them on blast? Well, you got to put the thirst out there for the people to see. <laughs> what? what? None. Got something you want to share with the class, Mike? No. Nope. No comment? Nope. What, your DMs been active lately? or No. <laughs> <laughs> no, not at all. Okay. I, I don't even know what you I don't even know what a DM is. Well, right. no. just checking, because you're no. looking kind of guilty over there. Is that what I look like right now? Yeah, a little bit. No. You're kind of sweating, and I know it's lights in here and everything, but you okay. I'm straight. All right. No, I'm straight. My DM's quiet. <laughs> quiet. Lightning about to strike you down. <laughs> Seriously. Uh, so. Alex Brown, Paul McKeever, South Carolina State combined for that. Wow. Yeah, man, don't leave your feet. Did they learn that in WWE? That went hard in the paint. Oh, seriously, man. I'm barely on Twitter. You the one. <laughs> I don't do Twitter no more. Paul George Wildback said he was going for MVP. Mm-hmm. Paul George posted a workout video with a portion of his caption reading. I'm on a mission this year. Shout out to Special Ed. I'm on a mission this year to be the best. I knew I wasn't good enough the past year. I wanted to give my team more. Interesting disclosure. Right? Yeah, I appreciate the sentiment, but can I just say for the record, I'm really sick of workout videos. 
just in general. Why'd you put it in the show? I, I actually didn't, but that's okay. I'm, this is a topic of conversation because this is about Paul, George. I think a lot of insights to one's commitment. Redeem themselves. We know they work out. I think, I think you need to be better for me, honestly. <laughs> talking. Carl Anthony Towns uh, said he made a promise to Flip Saunders, the late Flip Saunders, to end Minnesota's playoff drought, and that's exactly what he intends to do. They had media today, too. They got to do it this year. Oh, right? I, look, not only – it's not a thing where – it's some kind of surprise. They, given their roster, they should be expected to make the playoffs. Mm-hmm. Uh, Ohio State backup quarterback Joe Burrow tweeted, "Our team is worth 1.5 billion dollars, but it wouldn't be fair to other students if we get a free hamburger." That number comes from a Wall Street Journal report. Show, Show me the lies. <laughs> I don't see one. A lot of people are on him for what he said, but I'm glad he spoke his truth. That is the reality. 1.5 billion. Amateur sports. 1.5 billion dollars. Oh, uh, Lee. All right. Before we call it a day, tell the people we had a good day. Okay. Uh, it's a good day for the state of Connecticut. Gino Ariema. He is slated to make over two million next year, but says he will work for free in response to criticism over high salaries at UConn as the state of Connecticut continues to struggle to pass a state budget two months into the fiscal year. Wow, that's that's mm-hmm. big. Yeah. Uh, staying with the women's game. Game one of the WNBA Finals set to begin Sunday between the Sparks and the Lynx. 3.30 on ABC rematch of last year's finals when the Sparks took home their third title in five series, years. Too. A lot of star power. Mm-hmm. A lot of MVPs on that court. Five MVP trophies. I'm ready to watch them work. We're done working. That's it for the six. The best 60 minutes of your day. Great week.